1: Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE.
0: Hey, can you uh, see that?
1: No, I can't see that. I'm an old blind man. I can't see that. Oh, uh, on today's show, the mayor of Spelling City, John Edelston, the uh, Edutech Tip of the Week, music from our featured artist, and more. That's up next on Edutech Guys. Edutech Guys Radio, Radio. radio.edutechguys.com.
0: The opinions expressed under the site of this program for those of the participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsored company, state, or government agency.
1: Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. Hope everyone's doing well this afternoon. I'm David. Hey, and I'm Jeff. And welcome to the show. We got a really cool cat on the show today.
0: Was that my, is that Mike? Is that Mike? I career? thought
1: you were queuing. We're out of sync, man. I'm-
0: it's been one of those days. No, we have a really great guest today. John Edelson's on the show. Yeah. Um, coming from uh, Vocabulary Spelling City. It, it's There's a list. When we get into it, we're going <laughs> to see it uh, <laughs> That's the great part. Today we have on the show, if you need to do homeschooling or you need to do yeah. anything, pretty much any schooling, we've got the one-stop shop for you. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a really definite. I'm really glad to have him on the show. Hey, remember to catch us on the web. You can always catch us on Twitter at edutechguys. You can also catch us at www.edutechguys.com, dot com. Also, just go to Google. That's right, you man. you type in edutechguys, I promise you, I will bet you a 78 Nova that you will find us. If not, I'm paying an orangutan in the deep, dark jungles of Cambodia to keep our SEO on top of things. I'm you're,
1: you're, you're. I, I can't even. I, <laughs> I, I,
0: I had, I had, I had a
1: thought, and then I lost it. I, it was the whole Monkey Nova thing. I, I just, I.
0: And I don't think they made a Nova seven. 70- but anyway, um, well, then that's why th- that's why you'll give it away. then. That's exactly why. I'll give it <laughs> that's <away>. all right. <laughs> so, listen, if you would, though, if you <laughs> check out the website, drop to the bottom of the page, you will find oh, this is our actual bad. nice little form. You can drop in and tell us what you're looking for, what you think about the show, what you don't think about the show, all that kind of good stuff. Also, remember on the Twitter, you can catch us at hashtag ETGChat. Um, it's been a really good time. We've had a really blast the last couple of days. It's been a long yeah, summer. Man. Yes. Um, but we did an ISTE Roundup show last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent a good time in ISTE, volunteered, did all my stuff at ISTY I was supposed to do, and hung out with some of my heroes. Yeah. And yeah. some of the, some of our past guests from the uh, EdTech Rabbi to uh, the original Mr. C, Tom Whitby. I mean, the crew there were all there. It was really great to see them. And the Blogger Lounge was still my favorite thing. I, yeah. I, I still dream about the Blogger Lounge because we had such a good time talking about
1: everything. Well, and that's that's one of the really, and, and I know we, we talked a lot about this last week, but um, that is really one of the cool things about um, ISTE and other conferences that have kind of followed that model it, where you could, where you give people a place to go and, and share the things that they're learning and the things that they're doing with their online communities that's kind of set aside from the rest of the conference. Right. That is so cool. Well, so you know, cool. And
0: the Ignites, the Ignites are really cool. And when you get to see what all these oh, teachers yeah. and educators are doing, you know, in 15 minute hard hits to your yep. face, that's really some cool stuff. But that's what we like to do here. We like to talk about EdTech. We like to feature EdTech. And guess what? We're doing that again today. Um, so let's jump in. I say it. we jump say? into it, man. Um, uh, hey, John, can you hear us? I can hear you. Awesome. awesome. We've got you alive and hot on the, uh, on the line. Remember, <laughs> if you're out there listening, you can catch us at radio.edutechguys.com and uh, always listen to the live shows and catch past shows. Hey, John, uh, this is John Edelson, the founder and president and mayor of Spelling City, amongst other things. Go ahead and introduce your te- yourself and tell us more
2: about you. So I run a company in South Florida. Our two big products are Vocabulary Spelling City and Science for Us. So we have about 80 people here working on educational technology, which gets used throughout the country and, and really the world. We, uh, we do a lot of we have a lot of users down in Australia, for instance. Wow.
0: That's that's awesome, man.
2: So you're you're pretty much and I, and
0: I noticed I think if we get this number right, 10 percent. And, you know, that, that's a big number. Whatever anybody wants to say, that's a, that's a large percentage.
2: So I have a shirt that says, Mayor of Vocabulary Spelling City. When yeah. I wear that in a supermarket or through the airport, I'm inevitably recognized by kids. And they'll actually say, you know, do you really work there? And I say, <laughs> well, in fact, I don't just work there. If you send an email to Mayor at Spelling City, it, it comes to my desk.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that I is do awesome. want to
2: clarify, there, there is no election. It, it's not that sort of mayor. <laughs> yeah, um that's, that's... <laughs> It, it, it is a business, but yeah. Yeah, I, Well, you know, di- dictator at, at spellingcity.com Yes, that's doesn't right. Yeah, doesn't,
1: that's, doesn't have the same ring to it.
2: <laughs> yeah, who, who, who are we kidding? I, you know, I work with a lot of deep-down techies and some highly principled educators. The idea that I can get them to do anything that they don't want to do or don't believe in. Total myth. You know, dictator of what? Yeah. <laughs> right, yes, yes.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. I,
0: so, tell us about, about you. What brought you in your life to this circle to where you are now, because you didn't start in education, did you?
2: Um, not exactly. I actually started. I mean, my first job was I got hired by the U.S. Peace Corps. I was off in West Africa in a country called Cameroon. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like a cheese or a cookie, but no, it's a country in West Africa. Spent a little over two years there, uh, riding a motorcycle in a town called Sangmelima. Uh-huh. Um, then I spent a long time in the large consulting firms and even longer in technology. I was out in Silicon Valley. Uh, I, was an early, I was in a company that did 3D graphics early on. So about 20 years ago, I was actually given talks about 3D graphics, 3D games, and virtual reality, comparing yeah. them and, uh, and pointing out where it was headed. Um, I followed some of the really sharp engineers from the company I was at into the video game world. So I found myself making video games for a long time. In fact, I produced a video game that uh, went platinum on the PlayStation.
1: Wow, uh, that's awesome.
2: A happy 3D roamer. So they got a little little character called Croc. Um, I mean, it's always get some reaction. Some people have played it. Croc, Legend of the Gabos It was a big game in uh-huh. 1997. Man, cool. And it was a ha- happy little guy who went plopping from world to world <clears throat> looking, for his, looking for his friends. Yeah. Um, the way I ended up in education was sort of a happy accident. Some family stuff happened, and I abruptly moved to Florida. And uh, there, isn't, there isn't really a game or technology community here of that depth. So I, I needed a job, and also I had some freedom to figure out what I wanted to do next because the previous companies had gone public. So I looked deep into my little soul or wherever I looked, and out came education. Mm-hmm. Um, not that much of a surprise. My mom was a teacher. We used to talk about education at the dinner table. Uh, my dad endlessly talked about science education and how this country had to get going on it. Um, and I got a brother who's a professor, professor of it. So I, I, yeah. I, I come by it honestly. Um, in terms of picking what I was going to work on, uh, I actually watched my kids. Um, they were bugging me one evening for some help. Turns out they had a spelling test the next morning. And I, like my parents before me and probably their parents before them, sat there with my kids and said, okay, thorough, and listened to them spell it. And I said, no, no, that's not it. And then we did the next word, and I said, no, no, that's not it. And about the third word, I said, okay, why don't you go study your words a little bit? Right. <laughs> um, and I started thinking, you know, surely there's a better way for kids to be studying this sort of stuff. And, you know, I feel so bad for those teachers. After they give the test, they got to take all that paper home they got to grade it. they got to record it. Kids aren't going to get it back for a week. That can't be the right way to do it. So I went on the Internet, the World Wide Web, and looked around. And um, I found that there were some people who had done nifty spelling programs. Um, and I analyzed them. The technical expression for what they were was sucky. They just suck. <laughs> exactly. And so the challenge I gave to myself is could I design a program that did not um, suck? Uh, and that used some of the things I know about games and entertainment and levels of challenge to put together a, a, a website and an app that, that made sense. And um, that's what I did. I figured, hey, the teachers deserve a lot of automation. Um, I studied exactly what the teachers were doing in the classroom, and the kids deserve it to be fun. They should be, able, they should be empowered to study on their own. You can't study your spelling words without it. So I put together just the niftiest site. It was fun, it was automated um spelling city quickly went viral across the country and uh we would have been on to greatness except of course it all happened (laughs) and it is the change in educational standards Oh. oh my goodness here comes rigor here comes the common core and they the you know the big heads have to roll this thing out by the way which i'm in favor of but after they rolled it out to all the different teachers the teachers would timidly put up their hand and say but how are we going to get the time to do all that new stuff, all that rigorous stuff? And the big heads would say, well, you've got to stop wasting time on traditional educational practices that have no educational value. And the teachers would look at each other and say, you know, are you spending any time on useless educational exercises? And they said, no, no, we're not doing any of it. But the guy would insist. And eventually he'd point out that, you know, are you giving spelling tests? Mm. And, um, there's been some studies that spelling tests, which are run as trivia contests, don't run – don't have that much value educationally. Right. So the teachers admitted that, yes, in fact, they've been giving spelling tests. And they tried to explain that, in fact, it was tightly integrated with each week's lessons and used for uh, reinforcement. But the Common Core had to be rolled out and something had to go. So the spelling test was attacked and sort of pushed out of the way. So we were left trying to figure out exactly what our mission was. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, it fell into place. And we've now become vocabulary spelling city. Mm -hmm. And um, we stepped up to really the biggest problem in education. Yeah, you have. And the the biggest problem in education, of course, in elementary schools is the kids are supposed to learn to read. That's exactly it's The number one priority of practically every elementary school, number two or number three, right behind safety and a few other things. And unfortunately, way too many kids, I won't, I won't cite the numbers, but way too many kids make it through elementary school without learning to be effective readers. And usually when they don't, in 70% of the cases, it's because of the vocabulary. The kids generally learn to decode, but faced with all this vocabulary, they just aren't, the vocabulary deficits, they're just not learning to read and can't get through the sentences. Sure. Um, it, it's actually a little bit of a mystery you know, why don't the kids learn the vocabulary? If you go to the classes, the teachers are teaching all the words, mm-hmm. and they're teaching their little hearts out, really. Right. And the kids are sort of learning them, but um, they they aren't really learning them. Yeah. Um, and, and I think of it like this. I, I often see just fantastic teachers doing multimedia lessons or multidisciplinary lessons. So they might have a story that week about a little girl who used to, hop in her little raft in the lake but one day she puts it in a river not understanding the difference and all of a sudden she's in a river and there's current and she floats down she can still drink the fresh water but pretty quickly she ends up in the ocean where there's waves and tide and the water is salty and in the way she went through the delta and it was brackish Mm-hmm. A good teacher will teach. Will have them read the story, She'll get the kids all wet. They'll learn all these things, and by the end of the week, on the test, these kids will all know what the tide is. They'll know what that river. What rivers are and they have currents. And for Friday, they all pass the test. Mm-hmm. Um, they all know most of the words. Right. Um, the the problem is that evil weekly cycle. Next week, that teacher has a new story, and now it's a boy, and he's off in the mountains. Right. And all those hard-won concepts, all those things that the kids have learned are going to fade away if those, um, those parts of the brains aren't exercised, if those mm-hmm. ideas aren't tugged on. And this is an important point about vocabulary. Vocabulary isn't just a bunch of use wor- words. When you study it right, these are the key words or the labels for important concepts. Mm-hmm. So if the kids don't practice those words, two weeks later, they don't remember really what the tide was or what current was. Sure. And they don't learn to read. So we, we did a bunch of research, and we realized um, that this was the problem. And so we rebuilt our service, and our purpose now is to take out the schools one big takeaway. All the schools should learn that in addition to teaching the words every week, you should do what it takes to move those words to long-term memory. And it's really simple. Don't just study them for a week. You've got to space out the practice over four weeks. You need a little over a dozen touches and you can't just read the words you have to say the words you got to play with the words you got to break them down into their parts you got to write the words you need lots of different things to do with the words Mm -hmm. and that's what makes all the difference oh yeah Um, that if you do space practice over four weeks lots of different touches the kids will retain the words and it makes all the difference um in the world yeah absolutely Uh,
0: and you know, so, what's great about that is, so what you you realized early on before you made the change to Vocabulary City, even that game-based learning was the way to to make this happen. So how how did you did you retain it pretty much intact, even though you changed you know into Vocabulary Spelling City? I mean, did, you, you're still game-based learning, but now you've given the opportunity for teachers to get better feedback. Even is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yeah, so the student activities remain much the same. So there's, mm-hmm. lot, there's a series of 35 different games. In fact, they get better and better. So we now can break all the words down by their sounds, and the kids have to rearrange the sounds. So the word might be tooth, and you got three sounds on the page, tch, ooh and fff, and you have to rearrange them into tooth.
3: Okay. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And then the letters appear, and it all matches up. So we, the, we, the games keep getting better. What changed when we went from Spelling City to Vocabulary Spelling City is what we're teaching the teachers about how to use it and then the tools that we give the teachers. So we equip them to assign them words over a series of weeks, and that's changed. Um, the other thing that we changed is uh, we decided to actually go out and test our theories. So we went into uh, a school, and they, we split the school in half, and half of the kids did their word study, which is one of the literacy blocks, every day the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And um, the other group used vocabulary spelling city, and they went on this four-week reinforcement. It it was no change in the amount of time that anybody spent on a word study. It just took 10 minutes every day and focused on the previous week's words. And it produced remarkable scores. The uh, reading scores went up by 20%. The uh, ESL students, their reading scores went up by 40%. Um, So this, this is what we're doing. We're off telling the story everywhere. In fact, we'll be off at the International the ILA conference in Orlando next, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We'll be telling it, telling it up there.
1: Yeah. That's very, very cool.
0: Yeah. We will, we'll be back in Orlando in January. 50, yeah. So I'm sure you guys will maybe be there and possibly. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah. do you have a question? Do you want to jump in? You to, I no, I,
1: to... well, what I was going to, what I well, as I'm, as I'm processing and, and thinking about what you're saying and, and, uh, not having seen the site and, and, and what all it entails. Um, is, uh, how much does um, context play into how the students are learning vocabulary?
2: Um, context is everything. The kids memorizing words out of context is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So every word list should be very purposeful and part of a strategy. Um, kids are little pattern recognition engines. Yes. So
3: yes. <laughs> if you give the
2: kids a good list, they will start understanding what a suffix is or a prefix mm-hmm. or a word root. Um, if you, uh, you can put together a, word, a list of words that makes your classroom into a, into a uh into A funateria. <laughs> <Fun-iteria? A
1: fun-iteria. laughs>
2: you, you throw that word around a little bit, pretty soon the kids have understood what ateria means and have connected it to cafeteria, and you could do that a whole lot better than giving a long talk on Greek and Latin word groups, which will turn your class into a sleepatorium. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember those classes. That's awesome. I remember Latin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember a lot mean, of classes being, a, it, <laughs> I remember a lot
1: of classes being sleepatoriums. Yeah. Let me tell you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I start with the idea that the kids want to express themselves. They want to find patterns. They want to learn. Yeah. Um, that one of the tricks in learning video games, I mean, why does a kid play a game? It's it's sort of a silly exercise at some point. And the only reason they do is you, you give them a little bit of a challenge up front, which is just challenging enough. So you mm-hmm. give them a controller, a character, and a door. And the kid says, ah, I bet I'm supposed to get the, the character through the door. Right. And once they do, you give them a little applause. There's just a few seconds of relaxation, a, an award sequence. And then, boom, he's in a new room, and now there's a door, but there's a pair of crocodiles Mm -hmm. in between you and the door, and now he gets to use the skill from level one to try and get around the crocodiles, but the crocodiles turn out to be sort of dumb. They run at you where you are, so if you do a nice arc, you can run around them, right? and you make it through the door, and just as you're feeling good about it, you're in a new room. And there's two crocodiles and a rat.
1: (laughs) Right, right, exactly. The rat
2: turns out to be smarter. But essentially what games are is skill building carefully designed Mm -hmm. um, so that you get the satisfaction of using the skills that you've learned and the challenge of trying to figure out how to apply them with new challenges in front of you. Yes. And it's artfully layered and made difficult, and the award sequence and the thank you is, is done right. Yeah. So this is a skill set that I try and bring back in education that games and software should have a rhythm to it. Uh, the kids should have a certain level of challenge. Too much is overwhelming. Too little is boring. Right, um, right. And, and the rewards. Intrinsic-
0: yeah. And, yeah. And that's <laughs> it. The intrinsic reward, you know, the conscious and subconscious, mm-hmm. your reward system that happens throughout and the, the consistency of bringing it back constantly where you maybe I, I don't know you know that's the interesting thing i've noticed in a lot of game based learning now is that it they might take something you did in level 2 and bring it back in level 8 right. you know so just to keep that you know, on the, that strain mm-hmm. of learning keep it rocking and rolling yeah
2: so variation on the theme is what it's all about you sort of spiral them through and no sooner do they learn that this platform behaves this way that you give them that platform but paint it differently and the kids are like, "Huh, I wonder how that's going to behave," and they learn that pattern. And right. That's, I mean the kids like to learn. They like to use their skills. Yeah. Um, and this is what's fun. There's so much new technology coming out. There's so many new ways to do it. We've been playing around with some virtual reality stuff in the last few weeks. Oh yeah. It's going to be crazy fun over the next decade. That's cool.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, VR uh, and AR, augmented uh, augmented reality, and and MR, mixed reality, is really changing and is definitely going to change the way we do lots of things and i think education is truly one of the biggest arenas in which those particular um that particular style that the platform for lack of a lack of a better word yeah um you know that's where i think it's really going to excel yeah you're going to have the gamers and they're going to play with that and you're going to have your pokemon go and all that kind of stuff sure sure but when it comes to learning and and doing either completely virtually or partially virtually you know you're talking about things like you know, uh, operations, dissections, and, and, and whatever it is, looking around and l- building that vocabulary because you're in the environment where that vocabulary makes sense and you can connect all those pieces, parts, and dots, and suddenly it's not a gazillion pieces of jigsaw puzzle laying around that I don't understand how they fit together. Now it's, oh, wait, this piece goes here, and I see how that fits to this, and it relates to that. And uh, so I, I, it's very, very cool, very, very cool.
2: So, so now you got on one of my favorite themes which we were talking about before we started and that is the march of technology and education yeah, yeah. so if you uh, if you march around my office you'll see that I'm a collector and <laughs> yes. um, to keep us humble I realize that we are not the first technology revolution in education sure so in our office we have, um, we, have we have a little museum or I curate a collection of previous uh, technology revolutions so we have we have uh, record players, both the ones that were out when I was there in the, in the 60s and 70s, but the, actually the very first ones from the teens when they, they would record on a drum, oh. a regular drum and not a yeah. flat disc. Yeah. We have the film strips. We have film strips both from uh, the early days when you'd, you'd, you'd have a flame-powered uh, for the light, and then the uh, little plastic ones that we had in the 60s and 70s when it would say, okay. Beep. The record would say beep. (laughs) Now now, advance (laughs) your advance the. uh. and how many and of
0: us fought? How many dream, of us fought to be
2: that kid?
1: Yes, that that's category. right. That's right. How many of us were the oh, AV the, kids? You know, that's right. The,
2: the AV kids, the few and the proud.
1: Yeah, that's um, right. You know, that's right. Yes.
2: In fact, I'll put in a plug. If you're interested in this stuff at retroedtech.com, yes, yep. I actually have a collection. Uh, I, I have my collection on display, including there is one post there about the AV crowd, the few and the proud. And remember that old green cart that we used to push around? Yeah. With all the equipment <laughs> we
0: used to refer to it. Is audiovisual. Yes, sir. We're <laughs> very European. Thank you. <laughs> but you know that's through our it, office. You know, it's funny you've got all that tech there because isn't it funny? But think about how that tech evolved. You know, there was the beeping; you had to turn it. But did you remember there was the uh, the attempt to get it to where it would turn itself when mm-hmm. it heard the Q tone? which was later adopted by most radio stations in the country, you know, they would there would be a, a yep. hidden tone so the computer could turn on the next DJ or the next song. And we and that was actually developed in education first so that the, no one got to turn the film strip anymore. So right. you know that would actually move itself along. Pretty interesting how education's driven technology without knowing it. You know, actually that's really what's happened. But I so uh, there's also let's let's talk about this before we get away from this altogether, Tell us about science for us, because that's the big one right now. A lot of schools are getting their test scores back right now in the the United States. And what we're seeing is low test scores in everything, unfortunately. But science is killing us. Science is our big hit. And uh, getting young ladies especially interested, getting young girls especially interested in science. So tell us about science for us.
2: Okay, so Science for Us is designed to do no less than solve the deficit in U.S. education, get more kids into science, um, give them a good, solid foundation. And we think we've attra- a- addressed one of the very core problems. Um, the problem – so, so I started, first of all, by going to all the conferences and reading all the books on the problems of science education in America. It, it's, of course, an exaggeration. No one can go to all the conferences. Right, but. right. It, it, it felt like it, and you know, I knew I'd gone to enough of them when I realized that they were all saying essentially the same thing. Yes, yes. Um, what, what, what I found is they would address a lot of problems. They were really good on this conveyor belt of education and going in from this to that, but I noticed they weren't saying certain things. So I would put my hand up in the plenary session and actually ask a question. I'd say, how come we accept that the kids arrive at third and fourth grade with no science background, with this huge deficit? Why in this whole conference is nobody saying words like kindergarten, first grade, second grade? And um, the reaction was, you know, you're absolutely right that the science education community really focuses on the grades when we have science teachers and the kids are at a certain maturity level. That earlier stuff where the kids are, in fact, natural scientists and ready to go. But dealing with those gen ed teachers, the teachers with no science background and are handling all the different subjects and the kids at that stage, that's really very developmentally different. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we, we don't dabble in that. But you're right. It's a huge problem. So that, that's when I found the mission. That, you know, I, I know how to let kids try and play on things. And I thought, you know, I, I've, writ- I've written games for these people. I know how to take <laughs> them and put this thing together. Yeah. So I put together a broad team. We spent millions of dollars on it and came up with uh, science for us. Uh, the, the initial vision was enriched by all the people who say, no, no, those kids need a lot of stories. Those kids need a lot of songs. They don't just need science simulation and games. So we built a formal curriculum. It's built on the 5E educational model Hmm. out of the BSCS in Colorado. Um, We probably spent more time on the teacher side than the student side because the problem there is the teachers – you know, to be honest, if you're really interested in science, you probably didn't end up as a kindergarten first or second grade
1: <laughs> Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
3: And in the years that you've ignored science,
2: your physics skill or your biology skills haven't gotten any stronger. Right. Um, so getting them to feel comfortable and enjoying teaching science was the challenge that we really focused on. So it's really very pleasant for the teachers to use. That's one of the first pieces of feedback that we got and what the study showed. Um, and the second piece is the kids – I mean, they love being hands-on. This could be done as whole-class instruction where they're all looking at the same board. Um, They could do it in small groups. They could do it one-on-one. Works on the tablets, works on the Chromebooks, works on the computers.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, It's it's being used uh, now pretty much across the country. We're just getting started. But science for us has, uh, we think, a real ability to change the momentum. Um, the, The real problem is, a lot of studies show that people pick their career direction surprisingly early, early in life. Mm-hmm. That early in elementary school, some kids will identify as musical. Some kids will identify as theatric. Some will you know, start getting involved with literature. And their exposure to these subjects is really important to, to plant those seeds. Sure. Um, way too much of the country has taken the opinion that we will ignore science in K through second. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, the core problems. Um, so we build a curriculum that, that they like using. It builds literacy skills. It builds math skills. Um, it's strong enough in both of them, so we think it could fit into those blocks. Yeah. And most importantly, it builds a real solid, comfortable science foundation without overcomplicating or mystifying. It's And it's, it's a lot of fun, yeah. science for us.
0: There you go. Very, cool. Very so, cool. You know, John, I have to tell you, um, if your enthusiasm is – even just if your employee's enthusiasm is half of what yours is, then I can only guess that working your company has to be a hoot. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it has to be a blast. You guys seem like, I mean, it's got to be your intent on getting this fixed for one reason for kids yeah. for, for education. And that's, that's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. So we, have, thank you very much. We have, we have a lot of fun here. I started the company in my living room 12 years ago. Um, to be honest, I started it with a few goals in mind. One is i done some pretty intense business stuff along with the video games Mm -hmm. and run turnarounds of really messed up companies and I started with the idea that I'm going to run a beautiful company it's not going to be all messed up we're never going to get messed up (laughs) Be good to the staff yeah Um, the staff will not get angry they will be recruited for with a common mission and we'll live up to it yeah I'm gonna have customers that are happy with us and not annoyed by us Mm -hmm. and oddly I you know here I am 13 years later and it's pretty much worked that way.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
2: I do, I do miss the first few years in my living room when people would come to my house and uh, we'd work in my living room. I'd make lunch for everybody. That, that's actually how it worked the first three years. Yeah, that's and very cool. Didn't have that big a living room and we outgrew it. And now we're in an office with 80 people. But a lot of those people are still here. Yeah. And um, yeah. that, that, that sense of a small group of people on a mission yeah. and empowered yeah. to do it still, I think it's still here.
1: Well, and that says, and that says, that says a lot about, uh, your leadership and, and your direction, your goals for what you're wanting to do, because, you know, especially today, you know, people are not hanging around (laughs) long, Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, come and go and let me get what I'm going to get out of this. And then I'm going to, you know, take the next step wherever that leads me. So to have folks that have been with you, you know, some of those folks from the beginning, that's, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. it, it, it's a down and dirty, it's a very difficult challenge because it's department by department. Um, mm-hmm. I remember about four or five years ago, my, my finest engineer uh, resigned, and I was heartbroken. I, you know, I went and took him for a long walk, and we talked about it, and I finally got him talking about what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And what he wanted was to be part of a first-rate, cutting-edge engineering team. Um, and he felt we were still sort of ragtag playing around with best practices, but not necessarily out in front. Mm. Actually, this was more than five years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. And I made sort of a solemn promise to him that we would be the best place to work for an engineer. We would stay at the cutting edge. We wouldn't take shortcuts. We would do things right. Mm-hmm. We would hire really quality engineers. We would hold on to them. And um, I've used that as a guiding principle for the last seven years. Wow. So vocabulary spelling city will... Allow them to do all the advanced stuff they do. So, what does that look like? Um, I don't know if you've ever worked on a grant or a really hard thing you have to write, yeah. but at some point you actually put it up on the screen and you do a joint drafting session where you try and write the really hard paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And with one person on the keyboard, you're sort of arguing about how the sentence should go. Right. And by the end of the paragraph, you're on the same page. Yes, yes. Well, the coders will do. The coders will do that too. It's yeah. it's pair it's pair coding. And when they get to the interesting parts, they'll put screens up. And they'll have three or four people looking at the screens and one guy coding or one gal coding. And they'll be arguing about, no, no, don't, don't call that routine here. That's where you always make a mistake. And they get <laughs> intense and they get angry. Um, so we try to implement all the best agile methodologies and teams and training and joint ownership. Um, there's some outside team building and partying and all that. But mostly I find that the engineers – they really care about the quality of the intellectual stuff they're doing. Yeah, and if we support that, they they're good to us. So yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's kind of an example of how this stuff happens. Okay, that's
0: awesome. We're going to completely deviate, and in an ode to Steve Miller, we have to talk about your other passion. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I do like what that. That? Uh, that was good. That was <laughs> good. One of my favorite songs in the whole world. So let's talk about your Joker collection. I, I mean, that's. That's pretty cool, David and I visited the website, so how did you what what was what was the draw? It wasn't baseball cards, it wasn't you know uh, marbles, it was jokers. How did that happen?
1: playing card jokers,
0: yeah, playing card jokers
2: Sorry. so you go back to John Edelson in high school i um a friend of mine got me into performing magic
0: okay ah, okay uh.
2: Not, not black magic, this is entertainment magic. <laughs> so, While well, my other friends were cutting lawns, which I did some of and all that, I actually would work most weekends as a magic clown through high school. Oh. I, and I performed, and as part of that, at one point, I had to turn a bunch of cards into jokers. And the ones that came with the trick, I thought, were sort of boring. Hmm. Um, they were supposed to have different backs and different fronts. So I started looking around for more interesting jokers. And, uh, it turned into a habit. And then I put them in a in a little photo album, and then I put them in a bigger photo album. <laughs> and it's a good hobby because if I'm busy for five years, I can leave the photo album on the shelf, and my life goes on. That doesn't yeah. take over my house or my life. Yeah. But every once in a while, I'm like, hey, let's build. Let's get some more jokers. <laughs> and I'll see one and you know ask if I can you know can I have it? Can I buy it? Yeah, yeah. You know, would I, would I ever steal a joker? You know, maybe in the old days. <laughs> 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 um, Uh, fast forward I now am the proud owner of over 2,000 different Jokers yes you can see them many of them are online at amusedbyjokersmi.com yep I'll say it again amusedbyjokersmi.com who who am I channeling there? yeah (laughs) hey that's great which Star Wars character is it? come on (laughs) yes that's that's right right, that's right
0: (laughs) you know that's wonderful (laughs) Now, so are you a Star Wars fan too? I'm
2: uh, sorry.
0: Are you a Star Wars fan also?
2: Uh, we're all Star Wars fans. I was going to say, <laughs> even if we don't like it, it comes out. You got to go see the next one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Um, listen, we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap up here, and uh, we hope to meet you in person soon. Yes, Maybe that'd be awesome. Conference Our, David and I. Like I said, it'll be a few months. We'll be heading towards Orlando mm-hmm. and, and that way to do some other conferences and. We like to drive everywhere. David and I like to see the country. So maybe we'll drop by Fort La- Lauderdale and, uh, you know, come in and see you guys.
2: Oh, we'd love to have you here. You could do a live one in the office.
0: Heck yeah. Oh, that would be awesome. I'd love to.
1: That would be cool.
2: That would be hey, awesome. What's odd is you'll you'll find that I'm only about par here for level of enthusiasm. <laughs> 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 about education. I go to some meetings and I'm just overwhelmed by people's drive and enthusiasm and excitement. And we have a yeah. bunch of ex- teachers here who sort of had reached their, you know, they'd spent enough time in the classroom and they're so excited about bringing the stuff back out there. That is yeah.
0: so, um, cool. so cool. So <laughs> cool. Yeah, we could probably stay a it's whole a day and, and just just hit the tip of the iceberg. Probably. Yeah, yeah, that's, that would be a lot of fun. That is awesome. Well, John, um, uh, we're gonna we'll tweet this out and we'll get lots of stuff out there for you.
1: Um, on Twitter, Facebook, you are. <laughs> I'll throw my own Yoda in there.
2: Um, so so the vocabulary spelling cities is at spellingcity.com. Uh, science for us is at scienceforus.com. com. They both have their uh pages. I do have a personal Twitter thing. It's at V spell city mayor. So at sign V like vocabulary, uh, vocabulary uh-huh. spell city mayor.
0: Cool. Awesome.
2: And um, we'll share that out also. And then if, yes. And that's my personal one. There's also a blog. If you go to voca- the spelling city website, and you go mm-hmm. down the bottom of the homepage. They get me down at the bottom these days. There's a little <laughs> link to the blog. And, um, I'll be talking about my experience with the EdTech guys there.
1: Hey, awesome. We'll look forward to it. That is great, man.
0: We hope you had a good time. Uh, we hope it, was as, it wasn't it was it wasn't as painful as you might have thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Party time. <laughs> cool. Hey, listen, you can catch us on the web at www.edutechguys.com. I think we're going to drop out and catch a, a quick song. Who are we going to listen to today? I forgot.
1: Uh, today, uh, we are going to hear music from Gooseneck, and this is Hot Mess. Hot, hot, hot.
4: A hot mess A hundred degrees of that dress A hot mess
0: Awesome! Hey, welcome back to Edgy Tech, guys. Uh, really had a great show today. Had a wonderful uh, talk with John Edelson from uh, VocabularySpellingCity.com dot and science uh, for science for. Us. Us. Thank you. My brain just went. I'm thinking me. You know, for it's, for it's not me, about man, you. you know? It's not about you. It's about us. It's the collective. <laughs> hey, that was Gooseneck. Uh just a band that reached out to us not some time ago. You know, we like to feature bands. Yeah. If you know someone that would like to be uh, on the podcast, we love music, so we like to feature it here on the show. Absolutely. Um, we're gonna tweet out all the good stuff here in just a bit. Uh but first we you know, we stopped doing the Google tip of the week. Yeah. We just well there's a lot of Google tips out there. There are, um, but the Edu we started doing the EduTech Tech Tip of the Week kind of you know we started doing right.
1: We kind things. of expanded what we were doing. Yeah. You know we we, we, we kind of we were sort of in a in a in a bubble there just limiting to Google and we've you know we've burst that bubble and yeah. now we offer EduTech Tech tips. Yeah. Across the board. And,
0: and there's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, we we probably should do a little Microsoft every once in a while because you know, yeah. Hololens is is making its way back. Because of VR, and it's, yeah. it's it's just as important and just as happening, especially with Skype classrooms and everything that's going on yep. there. Really happening stuff in Microsoft Edu right now. But what that's what I was going to say is our Edutech Tip of the Week is you've still got approximately one month before school starts. Yeah, yeah, it's time to jump on the cloud. You know, the biggest thing that I've noticed with most of our teachers is they're very afraid to fully embrace that idea, as we all are. You know, and the number one thing you hear is I need a piece of paper in my hand. I need a book in my hand to read. Well, the thing that brings me back to that's different is what are the kids doing? You've got to meet them halfway. You know, you've got to meet them and and, and at least play on the same court that they're playing on. You might not be the same player that they are, but you've really got to jump on board with that. Yeah, And I think that that's the biggest thing. And I, my teachers, if I can get them used to doing it, and that's a big deal in my district Mm -hmm. is making sure that, we're dealing with lesson plans right now, right? Here we are 2017 and we're still dealing with lesson plans, but you know, we're dealing with lesson plans and we were talking about how to share them. Well, Mm -hmm. let's talk about that. There's two ways. Um, you can, if you're using Google, you can use a team drive, which, you know, right. Google just popped out, which is wonderful. No one owns the drive. So that's beautiful that if teachers are dropping their lesson plans into their directories, their folders inside of that side of team drive, they're going to be there forever. Because, you know, we have that opportunity as educators that you get that teacher that might stay a year or two mm-hmm. and then they move on down the road. But their stuff is gold. Right. And you hate to see it move with them, especially right. when you can reference it in the back. Now, Microsoft does the same thing with <laughs> OneNote. And all the stuff that they're doing with Office 365, you know, you can build those team directories and you've got this beautiful online collaboration. Yeah. The interesting thing is the majority of kids have been doing that for a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's their secret. You know, there's the funny part with the kids. I think the kids have been cheating. No, no. They've actually been collaborating. Just like we were talking with John about. You know, they are smart enough to throw that up on one screen. And they're, they're all sitting there. And that brings me back to what I said probably in 2002. Listen, the net is here. Yeah. Stop giving them 50 questions. Right. Yes. Give them 500 questions. (laughs) I mean, really, they they love that. There's the thing. It's idle hands are the devil's workshop. Uh, They are.
1: I I think a lot of that also, as long as, you know, as long as it's relevant and frankly, as long as, uh, as long as from, from my two cents, a majority of those questions that you're giving your students are not something they can Google but well, that's true. That's a big thing. You well, know, I, I just I I I think it's ludicrous, especially in today's day and age, I think it's ludicrous that we are still seeing uh teachers and, and college professors and what have you who are giving out just these blanket, you know, just raw facts and figures for you to memorize and turn around and regurgitate dude if i can google it no give me you know make me think about those facts and figures why do they matter what difference does it make to me what difference does it make to the population at large and especially with kids today you know a lot of folks knock kids today oh they're, they're lazy they don't want to the truth is what kids today Especially today, what, what students are looking for and, and the younger generation, what they're looking for is they want purpose. Give me a reason to do this and give me give me the stuff that's going to help me help the world. I mean, right. that's really what students are looking for. And I know I'm no, I'm, no, I'm going okay. down, I'm chasing a rabbit and, hole and, and that's we're... the
0: beautiful part of the cloud to, to look at yeah. it, it's so many and when we talk about the cloud as an actual entity, but the cloud in itself is about humanity mm-hmm. and it's about sharing. I mean, right. And you're exactly right about students. I mean, I think of my kids and your kids. You right. know, our kids are pretty much the same. I've got a senior in college and I've got a senior in high school. Yeah. So they're the same way. They're looking for purpose. Right. You know, my daughter, I have to give her a plug here. She's dancing in Sorrento, Italy right now. Right. You know, And her biggest thing was to meet people and see people and feel culture. And, mm-hmm. and that's the really cool part of it. Now, the best part is she's a mass comm major, so she's riding her little rear end off. So <laughs> <also> <laughs> while she's dancing. But, you know, there's the thing. But that's what was amazing to my mother, who I have to tell, you know, on a daily basis, give it a second, Mom. It's going to space. Right. Um, yes, yes. That, you know, listen, she got off the plane in Rome and she FaceTimed my mother. Yeah. You know, and I think our kids are way smarter than we were. Ever
1: were. Oh, well, yeah.
0: You know what? And that uh, there's the thing people think that it's, it's getting to the end. I, I don't think that's true. I, I think that it's just this really neat evolving development time that's happening right here. Yeah, And, and I'm really excited about it. And to well, me, yeah. so that brings us, let's wrap it back to where we started with the seven rabbit holes back. Um, <laughs> that's where I want to see the teachers get to. And yeah. it's funny, once they get comfortable, I give them that 21 days. Once mm-hmm. they do those 21 days and they get comfortable with it, yeah. then they embrace it. Yeah. Tremendously. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal. And and I admit uh, th- this all got about reading it. H- I don't want to read it on the screen. And yeah. I, I, right. I can understand that, but you know, if you'll just embrace it for a bit, you'll find that it's, it's okay. Yeah. It's good, yeah. They used to say that too. I don't want to read it by electric light. I right. Yes, that's I, right. Do yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't want it on this slate. I don't what, want it on the slate. The I've got rock chips everywhere. <laughs> hey, listen, um, it's been a great show.
1: Uh, It has. Um, We are going to be in a couple of places coming up in December. uh, We will be in San Antonio at the uh, AESA conference providing live coverage. And then in January, as Jeff mentioned earlier, we will be at the FETC conference in Orlando, and that is in January so, uh, look no, for no us second. then. In the meantime, between now and then, lots of stuff comes up. And we'll, we'll be, be around. around so <laughs> That's right. The, the, the phone
0: starts ringing pretty quickly. So, <laughs> hey, listen, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time.
1: You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com.
0: The opinions expressed on the site is those of this program are those the participants is not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency.
3: There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need
1: when they need it. But do they actually do all those things?
0: You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings.
1: If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training